Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining. Today on the Joseph Carlson Show, the coronavirus Delta variant apparently is spreading fast. It's already spread through the UK. It's starting to spread through the US. Should we be concerned about the Delta variant? Will this be the catalyst that starts the next major sell-off? I'll explain why I don't believe that the Delta variant will cause a market sell-off or will cause big economic turmoil in the US. The next thing we're going to be going over is the continued theme of what I call influencer-created cryptos, the latest one being Dink Doink from Logan Paul. Dude, this whole f***ing trip is showing me this Dink Doink, Dink Doink, whatever the f*** it's it. Dink Doink. It's, it's a like a spring thing. It's a crypto meme coin, and uh, it's f***ing, it's hilarious. It's f***ing hilarious. It's it the, is pretty funny. It's the, it's the dumbest, cutest shit I've ever seen. And I mean, because if, if you don't know about crypto, coins, like, most of them don't have utility. And so, you know, the Dink Doink people have just <laughs> leaned into how f***ing dumb this is and people love it like it's just fun and it's cartoons in south park style i'm a ding dong fan it's the dumbest shit i ever seen and that's why i'm all in logan paul is one more he's amongst the latest to do the shameless money grab of influencers youtubers celebrities creating their own cryptocurrencies we're going to be talking about this phenomenon how i think it's the money grab of the 2020 and the 2021. I think that this will last for maybe a couple years. It'll fizzle out once people realize that these have no long-standing value and the only people really benefiting from them are the YouTube creators and influencers themselves. So obviously we have a lot to jump into today. If you like this type of content, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel. You can always check out the Patreon. We have exclusive episodes, lots of fun things going on there as well. Now, I want to jump into my portfolio. This is my passive income account. The goal of it is to create an additional growing stream of passive income. I've been making some changes, tweaking around some holdings in order to accomplish that goal quicker, in order to create more passive income. I've been recently buying more real estate and real estate does pay a large amount of dividends and passive income. That's just a function of the business. Now, the COVID 2.0, the Delta variant, threatens real estate because if everything were to shut down again, companies like Vici, one of my biggest recent purchases, would be very harmed by that. At least in theory they would be because all the resorts and the casinos in Vegas would be shut back down. I even have another holding called MGP. This is MGM Growth Properties. So they are the real estate owner of most of MGM's properties in Vegas as well. This puts me in the position as a landlord. I collect rent from my tenant every single month and it's paid out to me as a dividend every single quarter. That's the function of MGP and Vici. Both of these I believe are great companies. MGP and Vici I think are both fantastic real estate companies, but they rely on people going out and having experiences. That's the foundation of these type of holdings. They're not the type of holdings where people stay inside, like Peloton or Netflix. These are ones where people go outside and experience things. So if we do have COVID 2.0, the Delta variant, come in and shut everything down again, that could definitely be a threat for these type of companies. But the amount of news and media covering the COVID variant as a major concern seems to be growing. Here's a recent report specifically in Vegas. Concerning words from the White House today as its COVID-19 team lists Las Vegas as the worst large city in the nation for the virus and virus transmission. Local health officials also recommending mask wearing for everyone as case numbers and hospitalizations soar to levels not seen since back in February. This is our city gets ready for another jam-packed weekend of a lot of entertainment. Sasha Loftus joining us from the Las Vegas Strip to see what precautions people might be taking. 
As you can see, the strip is packed this Friday night. We spoke with some who say these rising COVID-19 numbers don't bother them, while others say it's making them reconsider some of their plans. Yeah, everything is pretty crowded. <laughs> After months of shutdowns and restrictions, Vegas is still roaring back to life. Casinos have ditched capacity limits. Concerts and sports venues are packed with people. But few are wearing masks. Las Vegas is still packed, and it has been for months. I've mentioned this on the channel before. I think it will have continued demand as people are ready to get out. They're tired of being locked inside for a year, but now they're being told again that they have to wear masks indoor and outdoors, that they're going to have further lockdowns and restrictions. And this is in temperatures that go up to 110 degrees. It's not exactly the most comfortable environment to be wearing a mask. The CDC sounded the alarm Friday, while the Southern Nevada Health District recommended everyone wear face coverings indoors again, regardless of vaccination status. So they're now even recommending that everyone wears a face mask indoors, regardless of your vaccination status. Whether or not you're vaccinated, in Vegas, they want you to be wearing face masks indoors. And as our state positivity rate climbs to 11.3%, the White House COVID-19 team also cited the Las Vegas metro area as the worst in the nation for virus transmission. So Vegas in the Strip has become the hotbed and the center of attention for the spread of the coronavirus, at least in the U.S. But this is not the only place that the coronavirus this variation of it, the Delta variant, is spreading. It's been spreading already through the UK, and I think the data is pretty interesting. We can look at the amount of COVID cases in the UK right now. We can see the initial spike. That's when COVID first came out. We didn't have a lot of testing, so that's actually understating the amount of people that initially got COVID. But then we have the bigger second spike. That's when we actually had adequate testing. So that is an enormous spike. But then we have this third spike. This is new. This is ongoing. And this is almost entirely the result of the COVID variant. In fact, they estimate that well over 95% of new cases in the United Kingdom are from this COVID variant, upwards of 99%. So this is almost entirely from the COVID variant. You can look at this graph and it can be very concerning. The new daily cases of COVID in the UK are out of control. They're going up like crazy. But if we look at another visual, which is the amount of hospitalizations as a result from COVID, it's not following the same pattern. There's an uptick in hospitalizations, but it's not at nearly the same rate as the initial virus. In fact, it's a fraction of the people getting the virus that are hospitalized as there was originally. And then looking at the amount of COVID deaths, deaths caused by this new variant, it shows a similar picture. It is ticking upwards a little bit, but it's still dramatically lower than it was prior. There's simply not as many people dying from this new variant. At least right now, it doesn't seem to be nearly as lethal as the original strand, which of course is great news. I'll share one more visual on this subject, and I also think that this is an incredibly positive trend we're seeing. This is from Politico. This is a graph illustrating the seven-day rolling ratio of new daily cases of COVID from the UK to hospitalization beds. So simply put, the graph shows out of how many people got COVID, how many of them became hospitalized. And you can see that it was above 1% at one time. So out of 100 people that got COVID, 1% became hospitalized. It steadily climbed downwards and it continues to climb downwards. In fact, yesterday, the rolling trend was at 0.16%. That is an incredibly low amount of people becoming hospitalized from getting COVID. So as that goes down further and further, that's a very positive trend. That means that less and less people that get COVID are becoming hospitalized as a result.
So going back to my portfolio, I have to make up my mind whether or not this is a significant threat to my real estate holdings. I have exposure to Vegas, and this is one of the primary places that the COVID variant is spreading. So should I continue to hold Vici? Should I sell out of it? Should I continue to hold MGM growth properties or sell out of it? What do I do here? As an investor, I have to make up my mind of whether or not these are sound investments that will continue to be profitable and to give shareholders returns. That can be difficult to do when you have lots of varying narratives, varying data shared by different people. We have news reports with bright red letters saying coronavirus. It's spreading like crazy. It's a big problem. And then we have other data saying that even though we have a big growth in cases, It's not hospitalizing as many people, at least in the UK, and it's not killing nearly as many people as before. So overall, after considering all the data and the various arguments, I've decided to keep these investments. I don't think that the Delta variant poses a big systemic threat to Vici and MGM growth properties. We might see temporary sell-offs, but I think over time, these will prove to be very sound investments. So that's the conclusion that I've came to. So far, out of all the information I've seen, I haven't seen a very compelling reason to completely change around my portfolio because of fears of the COVID variant. I think a lot of it is... Frankly, the media, you know, they need dramatic things to talk about, and they'll talk about whatever is the most dramatic thing at any given time, whether or not that's the COVID variant, whether or not that's inflation, whether or not it's Michael Burry's last tweets, they need something dramatic to talk about all the time. And I think that this is one of those instances where I think you'll make more money by ignoring it than paying attention to it. Bill Ackman went on to CNBC yesterday, and he was asked about this very subject. Does he think this is a big concern? And if not, why? I hope what it does is it motivates anyone who doesn't have a vaccine to get a vaccine. Um, I don't think it's going to change behavior to a great extent. I think people are done, I am, with, uh, you know, being in a cave, right? Uh, So now Bill Ackman says that human behavior is not going to change and people really shouldn't be as concerned about the new Delta variant. He says even himself, he's done being locked in a cave, being on lockdown from the COVID restrictions. This is a different tone than what he took with the initial COVID. If we rewind, he said hell is coming. When he was talking about COVID in the United States, he had a big short position on the stock market. And he basically ran an infomercial about the doom and gloom of the stock market on CNBC. Then we fast forward to now and he's saying, it's no big deal. People probably aren't going to change their human behavior. I think the stock market's going to do great. And even I'm going to be going out. You know, this isn't as big of a deal. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and assume that Bill Ackman does not currently have a short position on the stock market. Now, later on in the same interview, he's asked about what he actually believes is a bigger economic concern than the COVID variant. And it's inflation. I'm in more of closer to the new normal uh, with respect to many sources of inflation. So one, I think inflation is understated. Uh, you know, there's very, very significant uh, kind of, uh, you know, they talk about home equivalent uh, rents or ownership equivalent rents. And those are really understated. If you look at what's going on in the housing market, we have a housing boom. You know, talk to a home builder. You know, there's everything's being it's on allocation. You have to, you know, and have a friend who knows the CEO in order to get buy a, buy a home. <laughs> so that it's, uh, you're seeing housing prices go way up. I think the way the data is collected uh, for, you know, the, uh, the kind of CPI or other inflation numbers really understate what's going on uh, in housing. And that's, you know, approaching a third of inflation. So there's housing inflation, there's real wage inflation, you know, one of the big issues. Uh, and right. I think this is not a transitory thing at all, uh, which is, Recruiting, you know, uh, trying to get people to come work in a hotel, work in a restaurant. I think it's harder now uh, because of uh, some of the stimulus. I think it will be a little bit easier. 
uh, come September. But a lot of people made sort of life choices and various things. Um, he, like most people now, believes that there's massive inflation in the housing market and other aspects of the economy. But he also goes on to list the positives, how this wage inflation that we're seeing, people getting paid more for doing the same jobs, he thinks is a big positive. I think you're going to have to pay people to come to work. And I think that's, a, that's actually a big positive. It's probably a long-term positive uh, for the economy. So you've had you know, $5 trillion of stimulus. You have an increase in wages. You have a lot of savings. You have the stimulus of a lot of people being vaccinated around the same time. All these things lead to massive, massive economic growth and demand and we still have an extremely accommodative uh, Federal Reserve. So I think rates are going up. So Bill Ackman is in the camp that he believes the Fed is going to be forced to raise interest rates sooner and higher than expected. And he's clearly positioned his portfolio to take advantage of that. Pershing Square Capital, Bill Ackman's hedge fund, he owns only a handful of companies, and he's not really big into tech investing. He owns companies like Lowe's, Hilton, restaurant brands, Chipotle, he has Domino's Pizza. He has Starbucks. He has a lot of different restaurants. So he's very bullish on that industry. I am as well. And I think that his portfolio would do really well in a high interest rate environment. If the Fed does aggressively increase interest rates, I think it will be the technology companies with their profits way out in the future that get hurt. And these type of companies will do just fine. Now, moving on from that, changing subjects a little bit, I want to talk about worthless investments. That's right. Investments that have no underlying value, they have no utility, and they have no long-lasting value. And how people find a way to buy investments like this, and it's something that's not new. We can look back at the example of Tulip Mania. Most of you are familiar with this. This is during the Dutch Golden Age when contract prices for some bulbs of the recently introduced and fashionable tulip reached extraordinarily high levels. And then, as what always happens with these type of fashionable, new type of speculative investments that have really little to no value, the inevitable dramatic collapse. It happened in February of 1637. Investors like to cite these type of examples and look back and scoff at how dumb people were during history. They look back and they say, man, the Dutch people in 1637, those were some dummies. Those were a lot of dumb people back then paying extraordinarily high prices for a tulip bulb. Why would they ever do that? I would never do something that dumb. But I'm not so sure. I think a lot of people that look back and scoff at the Dutch in 1637 do things equally as dumb right now, if not dumber. At least a tulip bulb is a beautiful flower that has some underlying utility. What people are buying right now has next to no utility whatsoever. You can't do anything with it other than try to hawk it off to someone else for more than you purchased it. We have examples like the nickel token from Stanley Dutson of The Office. The Stanley nickel token, better known as the nickel token, has officially launched on Uniswap and PocketSwap. We have actors and celebrities now coming up with cryptocurrencies in an attempt to monetize their celebrity. And the avenue of doing that, the new medium of monetizing your celebrity or influencer status is crypto. An example closer to home right on the YouTube platform is a YouTuber tech lead with his new token called the Million Token. Welcome to this momentous day because today marks the start of a brand new journey for you, for me, for all of us. I'm glad you could join us because today we are launching a brand new digital currency. The currency's name? Million Token. That's right, we have the Million Token. It has that nice keyword, million, right in the title. That way, every video, instead of saying Millionaire Reacts, 
you can just put the name of the token and you have a nice little keyword baked into it. We also have him explaining in the initial release of this token how the market cap could climb up to the billions. If, for example, there's 2,000 people who now want the coins and there's increased demand for this limited supply of coins, then by market dynamics, tokenomics, the value of the coins should rise to $2 each. And so the total market cap of the coins becomes $2 million. And so then we could get to $5 million, $10 million market cap, $100 million, $1 billion market cap. I mean, the moon is the limit here. This could make all of us rich if we all work together and promote this coin. Now, is that a moon inflating there or is that a giant bubble inflating? Because it's starting to become indistinguishable. He explains and otherwise outright says many times throughout the video how this token will make you rich, how it could make everyone rich if we all work together. And getting rich was the result, at least for tech lead specifically. He came out with a video of his initial release of this coin saying introducing the million token. And then only a few days later, after the price went up significantly, he came out with another video explaining how he became a crypto millionaire. This was with the million token. I think the answer is pretty simple of how to become a crypto millionaire. You start a YouTube channel, you grow it to have over a million subscribers, so you have a massive following. You come out with a product like a cryptocurrency that has no underlying value and costs very little to create. And then you pump it on social media to the point where it goes up multiples over the initial price. And then once you've made your money, you sell out, you issue more shares, and you wait for the inevitable collapse in price. You don't concern yourself with the other people left holding the bag. Because after all, this really wasn't an investment, this was a social experiment. In fact, Andre Jick, another YouTuber with a large following that did a video on the specific coin, explained to us how it's technically not an investment. The most important thing to understand is that this token is not technically an investment. Let me just clarify what I mean because it literally says that on the bottom of the disclosure page. By purchasing a million token, you agree that you're not purchasing a security or investment contract and you agree to hold the team harmless and not liable for any losses or taxes you may incur. Also, he literally says that in one of his YouTube videos that this is not an investment and that it's a social experiment similar to Dogecoin. So million token should not be considered an investment by any means. This is a social experiment and really pure speculation. Okay, so they've laid out the groundwork. This is not an investment. This is a social experiment. I am curious though, after calling this a social experiment and not an investment, why does TechLead himself refer to it as an investment throughout many of his videos, multiple times? This was somebody who bought early and sold for a profit and good for that person, they were one of the early investors. He talks about people that made money being early investors. But just please don't put all of your life savings in here and invest responsibly. Even I don't know what's going to happen from here on out. Well, see, now I'm confused because he said it's not an investment, but he says to invest responsibly and refers to the coin as an investment many times throughout his videos. So is this a social experiment or is it an investment? I don't know anymore. The only thing I do know by watching his videos is that this is an easy ticket to wealth. If you buy the million token, you'll become a millionaire. It's that simple. I will see you at the jacuzzi bar on the moon. You guys, drinks are on me, by the way. And so how high can million token go? Well, the moon's the limit. The top tokens have valuations in the billions of dollars. And so even if million token were to get to $100 million market cap, or even $50 million, $10 million market cap, that would still be, what, 10, 20x from where we're at now. How high could this token go? Well, the sky's the limit, and that's true. The only value that these type of tokens really have is what other people give them, how many people buy them. That's the reason that the price goes up. It's not because of the underlying fundamentals. It's not because of revenue growth or market share or profit potential. It's simply because other people buy them. That is the one 
and sole determining factor of the valuation of these type of cryptocurrencies. Now, when I look back at the tulip mania in 1637, I don't think these people were so dumb after all. I think they were human. It doesn't seem like we've changed so much from that time period to now. Logan Paul is the latest high-profile celebrity to capitalize on this unique opportunity to sell his audience nothing. It's me, Logan Paul. Now I know what you're thinking. Logan, what the f*** are you doing here? I'm doing the same thing as you. Holding my doink. That's what I'm doing. This is a point I believe in. Dink Doink isn't the first influencer created cryptocurrency, and it's certainly not going to be the last. Now, the price of Dink Doink has continued to struggle a little bit, to say the least. It's on a long downward trend. In my opinion, though, I think this is actually a good illustration of price matching value. You see, the value is right, right about there, right at the zero, and the price seems to be getting closer and closer to the actual underlying value of the asset. But price can go above value for a long time when you have people like this in social media. With the hottest functionality and all of the most built-in techniques, tactics. These type of promotions from influencer-created cryptos is going to continue to happen until people stop giving them their money. And that's really the relationship happening here. We can look at the relationship of a stock. When you buy a stock, you're buying a company. You're going into the ownership role. When a stock grows, what happens? Customers become wealthy by gaining products and goods and services. That's how the customer benefits. The employees become wealthy by getting paid their salaries and their compensation and their health care, and they can provide for their family and friends through the money that they receive by the profits from the company. And the owners become wealthy by being in the ownership role and being entitled to the excess profits of a successful company. In this relationship, nobody's taken advantage of. Everybody benefits when you buy a stock of a successful and well-ran company. The customer gets value, the employees get a paycheck, and the owners get the excess profits. That is the relationship of a company. It is not a zero-sum game. Nobody's taking from a different party at their own benefit. Everyone in this relationship benefits. Now that we know the relationship of stock, of how all parties benefit, the customer, the employee, and the owner, I wanted to likewise draw out the simple relationship that happens in influencer-created cryptos. This is what happens. Your money, represented right here, becomes their money. Represented right here is the influencer. That's the relationship. That's really uh, boiled down. That's really what happens. Your money is becoming their money. Jack Palmer, one of the original founders of Dogecoin, said something similar in a tweet. The cryptocurrency industry leverages a network of shady business connections, bought influencers, and pay-for-play media outlets to perpetuate a cult-like get-rich-quick funnel designed to extract new money from the financially desperate and naive. And I think that he's spot on here. There are some legitimate options for cryptocurrencies that could be used as a digital currency, and they could potentially become widespread and more valuable over time. Those are the top ones, maybe like Bitcoin and ETH, but there's also many of them now that serve no other purpose than to extract money from people's followers. And they prey upon people that don't understand this industry. So I'm not trying to lump together every cryptocurrency investor and every single cryptocurrency. I do think that there's real investment cases for some of them. There are some that are legitimate. But just like calling out Nikola for rolling a truck down a hill and pretending that it was driving, I think it's important to do the same thing in the space of crypto, to call out the ones that are clearly money grabs led by influencers. So you might disagree with me. You might think that these cryptocurrencies created by all these various influencers have real long-standing value, but I would just have to disagree. I 
plan on doing different investments. I like buying assets that in and of themselves, they produce value. Vici pays me out quarterly. This one's going to pay me around $700 a year in dividends. Then we have Store Capital that likewise pays me a paycheck every single quarter. And then MGM Growth Properties, Simon Property, Realty Income Corp., all of these companies pay me every single quarter. If I add up the amount of money that my portfolio is making every single month, I'm projected to make $601 next month. That's a lot of money. That's real money being paid to me. Then $528, $773 in October. On average, my monthly income is projected to be $564. That's a lot of monthly income, and it continues to go up month after month of reinvestment of these dividends and new deposits into these dividend-paying companies. So I still feel good about this strategy. I felt good about it three years ago. I feel good about it today, and I think that it will continue to perform well and have long-standing value. That's all for today, though. I'll have another video out later this week going in-depth on my portfolio and which companies are producing me the most cash flow. So we'll look at all those metrics and see the breakdown of cash flow by holding in the next one. So thank you for tuning in. I'll catch you next time.